Amen. Thank you, brethren, for joining us tonight and our sister and for being with us and being willing to pray and join with us in crying out to our great and mighty God. Hallelujah. Thank you for being with us. I want to speak on uh, Judges chapter 5. If you would turn with me to Judges chapter 5, that if you need a title or you would enjoy uh, knowing a title for the message to sort of uh, point in the direction of what this preacher is going to um, try to preach on by God's grace and mercy. Um, awake, awake, Christian, awake, awake. And you'll see that in verse 12 as we read chapter 5. Let us stand together as we, as we read God's holy word in chapter 5 of Judges, verse 1. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. A summary of the whole poem or song that Deborah wrote. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. She was quoting from Moses in, in the, I believe, in, in the Old Testament, and she was um, in harmony with something David wrote and also in other parts of the Bible. This is glorious prophetic poetry. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose. That I arose, a mother in Israel. They chose new gods, idolatry. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Speak ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way. They that are delivered from the noise of archers in the places of drawing water, there shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord, even the righteous acts toward the inhabitants of his villages in Israel. Then shall the people of the Lord go down to the gates. Verse 12, our text. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, utter a song. Arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Oben Abinoam. That was Deborah speaking, by the way. Then, uh, speaking to herself. Then he made him that remaineth have dominion over the nobles among the people. The Lord made me have dominion over the mighty. Out of Ephraim there was a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin among thy people, out of Maker came down governors. And out of Zebulun they that handle the pen of the writer... And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, even Issachar, and also Barak. He was sent on foot <clears throat> into the valley. For the divisions of Reuben, there were great thoughts of heart. Somehow Reuben wouldn't rally to the battle, but Reuben as a tribe was having great conflict and thoughts of heart. Why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleedings of the flocks? 
For the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart, and they did not go into battle. Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in ships? Maybe to avoid the battle and to be ready to flee away. Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. The kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan in Taanach by the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. The river of Kishon swept them away, that ancient river, the river Kishon, O my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. The Lord fought for his people. Then were the hoofbeats broken by the means of the prancings, the prancings of their mighty ones. They had 900 iron chariots. And as the river swept along, and God brought a storm against them, the horses were prancing, and they were broken. Curse ye Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Miraz was a town or village near the battle, I think about 12 miles away. Blessed among above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. He asked water, and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer, and with the hammer she smote Sisera. She smote off his head when she had pierced and stricken through his temples. At her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay down. At her feet he bowed, he fell where he bowed. There he fell down dead. This is amazing. This is a woman speaking of a woman who took out the leader of the people who were against Israel. The mother of Sisera looked out at a window and cried through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariots? Her wise ladies answered her, Yea, she returned answer to herself, Have they not sped? Have they not divided the prey? To every man a damsel or two, to Sisera a prey of diverse colors, a prey of diverse colors of needlework of divers colors of needlework on both sides, meet for the necks of them that take the spoil. So let thine enemies, so let all thine enemies perish, O Lord. But let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might, and the land had rest forty years. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let us... Pray briefly, Father, how we thank you for your holy word, how we thank you for this glorious passage and this story of Deborah and Jael and Barak and the governors of the land and, and, and Naphtali and Issachar and even some of the Ephraimites and others who rallied and, and defended their nation and threw off the oppression. And how we pray that you would give us grace to learn from this, something that will help us tonight, something that will encourage our hearts, something that will, that will be with us as we go, that will help us to awaken us, to quicken our hearts, to quicken our minds, to make us men and women of prayer, men and women of the word, and to be what you'd have us to be. God, help us, we pray. Speak by your Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 We've preached on two times on this subject of being awake from the New Testament. In Romans chapter 13, Paul said, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, 
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where Paul exhorted us, the believers at Thessalonica and us, by application and extension, where he said in chapter 5, verse 5, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. And so we've looked at this subject of of sleepy saints and sluggishness and lethargic uh, living for Christ, and and we're, we're seeking to be a more awake people. Our brother prayed that that God would give us a new word, and I believe he meant that in the sense of freshness. Oh, may God give us a fresh word from his holy scriptures of old and encourage our hearts and help us. I think if we walk away tonight um, with with heaviness, it's not going to do us any good, but if the Spirit of God would be pleased to just, just nail something home to our hearts... Just, just give us something that will, that will go with us. That's my desire. God help us. God bless us. Well, we'll let an Old Testament prophetess speak to us on the same subject of wakefulness. In chapter 5 and verse 12, we read, and these are the words of Deborah. She said, awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, utter a song. This is glorious self-exhortation. She's encouraging herself. She is trying to encourage her own heart in worship. Well, let me give you the context, and you know something of it because we've looked at it. It was a time of great declension in Israel. We know that the times of the judges were characterized by every man doing that which was right in his own eyes. That was the condition of the people in that day. Such is the direction we are heading in our day. Every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. The mottos of our day are all about doing our own thing, such as, it's your choice. The most important thing is to be happy. Do your own thing. It's all about self. It's all about me. It's all about what makes me happy. And that's what the world we live in is promoting. Even family. We go and visit family and they say to us, well, the most important thing is that you're happy. Israel declined, and God was chastening them. And that's briefly set forth in Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I'm not going to read a whole lot tonight, but but we we saw it here in chapter 5. The the Canaanites, the Israelites were sold into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, who dwelled in Hashereth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel were crying out to the Lord in verse 3 of chapter 4, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. We've been oppressed for a couple of years, haven't we? They were oppressed, and, and not even to the same extent that they were. These people were under tyranny. These people were under uh, uh, full tyranny in their day. And the enemy was very strong. And you may think that, um, well, technologically, what are 900 chariots? 900 iron chariots 
were something formidable to people who came against them with spears and swords because these chariots had scythes coming out of the sides of them, uh, uh, blades of iron, and they would rush through the Israelite army and just cut people to pieces. Why do you think that um, <clears throat> Barak and Deborah were up on a mountain waiting for the enemy to come? Because they wanted to avoid those chariots. It was a time of great declension, and, and, <clears throat> and are we not also in a time of great declension? Are, are we not all in a similar time period? Are we not falling into the hands of oppressors? The answer is yes, we are to some degree. Do we not need a Deborah in our day? Yes, we do. Amen. We need a whole army of Deborahs in our day. And we also need some barracks. And we need some governors. And we need some Naphtalites and some, some Issacharites, male and female, who will be courageous to speak truth and, and pray and lead God's people with God's revealed word. Now, God doesn't ordinarily lead his people by female leadership. And <clears throat> I'm going to say something in defense of Deborah here tonight uh, because people have used Deborah in the wrong way and they've said, oh, yeah, you know, female leadership in the New Testament is good because, look, there's Deborah in the Old Testament. And, and look at how God used her. Well, let me just say that Deborah did, did not uh, receive an anointing by man and go on an itinerant ministry throughout Israel. She sat under her palm tree. And to my understanding of what happens in a situation like that, Deborah is sitting under her palm tree, and somebody comes by and starts talking to her, and they realize, I'm in the presence of a wise woman. And they go and tell someone else, and by word of mouth, all of Israel finds out there is a really wise person under that palm tree in that place, and her name is Deborah. And she's not promoting herself. She hasn't been anointed. Um, she is not uh, 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 wearing men's clothing. Uh, she's sitting there with her head covering and, and her robe on, and she's probably an older woman. She calls herself a mother in Israel, and she has children. Um, she's She's at, near her house under her palm tree, and people are coming to her. Now, who can we blame for the fact that she had that wisdom and she was a prophetess? We're not blaming God. We're saying God anointed her and God blessed her. <clears throat> Here was a woman who was not promoting herself, but God raised her up. Now, why would God raise up a Deborah? In that, in that day and time? Well, certainly because of the terrible declension that the, that the nation was in. But I believe very strongly as I look at this text that God was using a woman to rebuke the men who were sleeping and who were not doing their part. God was using a woman. God raised up a woman, a mother in Israel, who called Barak, to come, and who told Barak, you're the one to lead the army that goes down against Sisera in the valley down by the river, and he says to her, I'm not going unless you go with me. And she said, I'll go with you. She did not go with a sword. She did not go with a spear. She did not go to fight the battle, but she accompanied the general of, of the army. And the time came when she was there with Barak up on the mountain and down in the valley was Sisera and his thousands. Let me just say that I, the text doesn't tell us how many were in his army. I think it's Josephus who said there were 300,000. Barak had 10,000 against 300,000 perhaps. And they're up there on the mountain and she is not leading the army but she says to Barak, it's time to go. Deborah said unto Barak, up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hands. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? 
So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him and not Deborah. And the Lord had gone before them as the Lord does with his people. And the Lord had discomfited those people. That, that river had overflowed its banks. And this is, this is a part of the tradition, and I know it's not right there in the text, but God did something. He went out before his people, and their horses' hooves were being broken as they pranced in that water. And can you imagine 900 iron chariots in a flood of flowing water? And down went Barak on foot with all the soldiers, and they defeated the army of Sisera. And then... God put Sisera into the hands of Jael. And Jael <coughs> was minding her own business when along comes Sisera, and she knows exactly who he is, and she invites him in. And with her lordly dish of milk and, or butter or whatever it is, um, she gives him what he needs, and she covers him with a blanket. And with all of that milk inside of him, he gets sleepy, and she stands in the doorway watching, and he goes to sleep. And she takes a nail and puts it on the temple of his head and pounds it in with the hammer. And let me tell you something. The commentators, if they're hard on Deborah, they're really hard on jail. And they're trying to explain it all away. Guys, this is not 2022 that we're looking at in the book of Judges. But God raised her up to be a reproof to the men. So many men in her song, she lists all the men and miras who will not fight the Lord's battles, who have no concern for the people of God, for the things of God. They have no concern for the high God of heaven, the one who... Who, 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 of whom she says, Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. The clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord. Even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel, they didn't fear him. And so God raised up Deborah and God raised up Jael. And God used Barak and she praised him. And God used the governors of the people, and she praised them. And God used Naphtali and Issachar, and she praised them. And she spoke not so well of the others. Well, God doesn't ordinarily lead his people by female leadership, but in this case, he does. And Deborah is a rebuke to the passive men in Israel who should be leading and guiding his people. <clears throat> oh, oh, that God would raise up more Deborahs. Amen. And how we thank God for our mothers and our wives and our daughters who are like Deborah, who will speak for God. I'm thankful for, for a wife who prays. I'm thankful for... <clears throat> For daughters who, who can examine the word of God and see if someone is, is telling the truth about God's word. And who can even say things to their dad sometimes that cause their dad to stop and think, okay, there's something being said here. <laughs> I'm thankful for a mother, 93 years old, teaching a Bible class in her independent fundamental Baptist church and... <clears throat> And believing in the sovereignty of God and teaching those ladies. I'm thankful for my mom. And how we need godly women. But oh, how we need godly men. And I'm thankful we have some godly men here. I'm thankful that, that men have the courage to pray. And we should pray. <clears throat> Paul said, I will that, that the men pray. Everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Well, Deborah... She did her part. God called her, and God blessed her, and God used her. Well, there's a lot that could be said, but we're at the end of the day, and I am not here to just lecture you on the history of all of this. 
<clears throat> but let's concentrate our attention on chapter 5 and verse 12. Awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song. As we were singing tonight, I was thinking <clears throat> about stand up, stand up for Jesus. Well, let me exhort you tonight, wake up, wake up for Jesus. Amen. Wake up, wake up for Jesus. <clears throat> Deborah is exhorting herself to be awake. She is doing it with four words, awake. Awake, awake, awake. Now that's emphasis, and she's emphasizing it. Her self-exhortation is artistic, and it's part of a beautiful song. It's a very beautiful song. It is emphatic. She exhorts herself to awake, awake two times with her name in the center. Thus the title of my message, Awake, Awake, Christian, Awake, Awake. <clears throat> the emphatic element catches our attention. This is also the strong expression of an awake conscience that knows the need to be fully awake in worship. She's worshiping God, and she wants to be awake. Here is a text that shows us a woman of God, a prophetess, who strongly exhorts herself to be awake as she worships. The pulpit commentary says she lashed her soul into action. She lashed her soul into action. I love that. I would say she lashed her soul into worship. She lashed her soul to worship God. She, she, she buffeted herself. She, she took herself in hand. And she awakened herself. Her self-exhortation is spiritual. It's part of a prophetic song. Her self-exhortation is captivating. It's extraordinary. It's unusual. The reason why I'm preaching on this is because we mentioned this verse came up in, as we were reading Cobbett the other day. And <coughs> something was mentioned about my preaching on, on wakefulness. And I thought, well, maybe there's something here. And the Lord gave me a few thoughts. This is inspired. It's not only spiritual and extraordinary, it's inspired. Because God wanted it there for us to consider. So we need to consider it tonight. God put it here. It's his word. Amen. And we need to think about Deborah's words. Amen. This is not just something, oh, that's some nice history, Frank. But, you know, Deborah, you know, uh, exhorting herself. No, it's for us as well. Most of all, I want to note that these words are a self-exhortation. They're an exhortation that is directed by a person to herself. And we need to think about that. Well, Deborah exhorts herself in a day when few seem to be awake. She's exhorting herself at a day and time when very few seem to be awake. <clears throat> and I think we live in such a time that very few seem to be awake. And we need to exhort ourselves because we are in such a day as well. Perhaps you're praying that the Lord will wake you up. Have you been? So have I been praying for myself. And I encourage you to keep praying that the Lord will wake you up. But the exhortations to be awake in Scripture are not about asking the Lord to do something. They are directed to you and to me to do something. When the Lord tells us, <coughs> let us not sleep as do others, he's telling us to do something. When he says that it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our eschatological salvation nearer than when we first believed, he's telling us to do something. Yes, we should pray and ask the Lord to wake us up, but also at the same time, we need to do as Deborah did, and we need to exhort ourselves to awaken. We need to speak to ourselves. 
I believe this could help all of us. Uh, tomorrow in your prayer time, I exhort you, I encourage you to say this. Awake, awake, Frank, awake, awake. Now, don't say Frank, but you say your name. <laughs> awake, awake, Gloria. Awake, awake. I've already said it to her before we came. She was sitting on the couch. <clears throat> awake, awake, Israel. Awake, awake. Awake, awake, Victor. Awake, awake. May the Lord help us to think of this. God is directing us to do something through this, this mother in Israel. <clears throat> well, why, Deborah, are you rousing yourself? And how can that help us to rouse ourselves? Deborah rouses herself because it is a day of declension and there is no one else to do it. She's, she's singular. I'm not saying she's totally all alone because there are men who are doing things at her, at her prompting and her encouragement. But she rouses herself and she is the one who begins this reformation. She is the beginning of a reformation. And she rouses herself because it's a day of declension and there's no one else to do it. Deborah rouses herself because there is a great cause and she is interested in it. Amen. She has a, a deep concern for Israel. She has a deep concern for God, the God of Israel. And, and she's jealous for his glory and his honor. I know that because she starts her song with, with praise to the Lord and she ends her song with the Lord, and the Lord is all throughout her song, if you'll look at it. She rouses herself because there is a great cause, and she's interested in it. Are you interested in the Lord's cause? Do you have an interest? I, I love to, to, to have a brother come through that is interested in the Lord's cause, and he's going out and preaching the gospel in the schools around. You know, brother, in Malawi, that was the way to do it. In, in South Central Africa, we, we went into the schools, and the Lord used that. Deborah rouses herself because God is worthy of wholehearted praise. He raised her up. He showed her what to do. He went before Israel, and he secured the victory. Deborah rouses herself because everyone must do their part, even Deborah must do her part. <clears throat> Some more thoughts on Deborah. The secret to rousing others is to begin with yourself. If you are going to rouse others, you need to begin with yourself. Sleepy people don't <clears throat> rouse up sleepy people. <laughs> but when, when a, a brother or a sister is right with God, there is personal revival in the life the joy of the Lord is there, and, and the Spirit of God is filling a person's heart and life, and, and they're shining for Christ. They're the ones that are going to be used by God to influence others. It is not sleepy saints who rouse others. The secret to rousing others is to begin with yourself, and Deborah begins with herself. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake. No one else is saying it, but she's saying it to herself. Those who rouse others must be more zealous in rousing themselves. <laughs> she's more zealous with Deborah than she is with Barak. She doesn't say to Barak, arise, arise, Barak, arise, arise, and go down into the battle. She says, arise and go. But to herself, she says, awake, awake. Deborah, awake, awake. She's zealous. She's emphatic. Amen. We need to be emphatic in rousing ourselves. We need to get more emphatic in rousing ourselves, awakening. <coughs> Those who rouse others must be spiritually awake themselves. <clears throat> if you think I'm repeating myself, you're right. I am. I'm just saying it in different ways. 
I'm using different words. But aren't I, am I not doing what Deborah was doing? Because I'm repeating the same thing maybe four times in a row. <clears throat> Which is good because we need to have repetition. So long as it's not boring repetition and it's because Frank doesn't have anything to say. But it's, it's because we need to really think about this point. It's like Spurgeon hitting that one nail on the head. Well, let's get that, hail, that nail driven into the board, and we're just going to keep hitting the same nail. <clears throat> I actually was doubting that I should preach this message and, and thinking, well, I, I've preached on, on wakefulness two times already. Should I preach again on wakefulness? And I was looking at an old message that I had preached many years ago, and and I remember a pastor's daughter had been ministered to by that message, and, and I preached it in different places, and my family would probably be weary of hearing it again. But I was thinking about preaching it, and I just believed that the Lord wanted me to preach again on wakefulness. So those who rouse others must be spiritually awake themselves, as was David in Psalm 57 and verse 8. When David said, Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Our glorious God is worthy of wakeful praise. We need to be awake when we worship the Lord our God. As was David. As was Paul, who, who was such an awakened man. <clears throat> was there ever anyone more awake than Paul, humanly speaking? <clears throat> Perhaps. Perhaps some of our, our dear historical saints in, in the church have been as awake as Paul, but surely not more awake than Paul. Paul was the one who said, I buffet my body and bring it into subjection lest that when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. I buffet my body. That's wakefulness. That's, that's self-flagellation, as it were. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I go forward. Paul said at the end, I have fought a good fight. That sounds like someone that, that was pushing himself to go forward. Not just allowing himself to, to, to slink down into the, into the couch, as it were, and fall asleep, but, but willing to fight the good fight. Deborah was spiritually awake. She exhorts herself first, then she exhorts Barak. Those who are most awake are the ones who are aware of the declension of others around them. Those who are most awake are the ones who realize that I live in a very sleepy world. Amen. And the ones who are most awake are also aware of their own need for wakefulness. Amen. Who of us is as awake as we ought to be? If you think everyone is awake in this day, you are fast asleep. If you think everyone is, is awake and ev everything's okay, you're fast asleep. I guarantee it. If you think you're fully awake yourself, you're asleep. But if you think that you're a bit sluggish, you're waking up. Those who are most awake are the ones who are aware of the declension of others around them and of their own need. Those who are most awake are those who see the Lord and his hand in everything. And I say that because that's true of Deborah. She sees the Lord and his hand in everything. She begins with him, she proceeds with him, and she ends with him. She is a great example of a God-centered, God-focused reformer. Deborah in the Old Testament. Well, let me apply this in our historical cultural moment. <clears throat> 
Mount Zion Bible Church needs to be awake. Mount Zion Bible Church needs to be awake. She drew a lot of attention to herself through her prophetic gift. Let me say, not she, but the Lord drew a lot of attention to his anointed prophetess. And the whole nation flocked to her palm tree. They came to her palm tree because she was awake. Because God had anointed her and she was awake. Are we not also, as a church, in a similar position? The whole world is coming to our doorstep. Brother Shelton, as he was walking the streets in Minnesota after the shop was closed, he said that he prayed, Lord, bring the world to my doorstep. What a thing to pray. What an what a, what a amazing thing. I'm telling you, the Lord answers prayer. And the whole world is coming to our doorstep. The Philippines are coming to our doorstep to the tune of thousands and thousands of dollars worth of literature. Mexico is coming to our doorstep in great quantities of literature. Chile is coming to our doorstep. We see places all around the world that are coming to our doorstep. The county jails, the prisons, the state prisons, the federal prisons are coming to our doorstep. We thank God for that. And many are watching us very closely. Even this message that's being preached makes me very self-conscious because I know that there are a lot of people out there who listen to these messages. They're listening in. I thank God for that. But many are watching us closely. Many call us in our offices here at, at Mount Zion Chapel Library. Many visitors visit us. You're not the only visitors that we've had. We have visitors all the time because they know about us because of this worldwide literature ministry from this little church. <clears throat> Amen. We give God the glory. Amen. We have a literature ministry that is growing in international scope, and it's taking more to support this ministry than it's ever taken in all of our history, and God is supplying our need, and we thank God for that. But we're different from her in that we're not fighting with swords and spears. We're not fighting against iron chariots. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We need nothing less in our day than a great awakening, and we need it here at Mount Zion. We, we need the awakening of God that we might be effectual in our ministry to the world that is coming to our doorstep. Let us pray to that end, that God would use us. We need revival in our day. We don't need better politicians. We do need better politicians, and we thank God for them. <clears throat> but in the ultimate sense, we really do. Bad politicians are a symptom of a powerless church in our generation. We need, we need the preaching of God's holy word. <clears throat> we need revival fire, and big raging fires begin with little sparks. And we need a little spark of fire here. The Holy Spirit can start an awakening in you or in me. The Holy Spirit can start an awakening amongst all of us if he would choose to come down in great might and power in our midst and shake our building. <clears throat> he can change this day of darkness into a day of light. He may choose not to do that, but he wants us to be faithful and he wants us to be awake, and we do have this ministry. And we do have this influence, and we need God's grace in this. MZBC, Mount Zion Bible Church, 
needs to awaken. Frank Maxson needs to awaken. I trust that the Lord is awakening me. Well, we do lose our first love, like the church at Ephesus, as Victor was praying. We do lose our first joy. We do lose our first love and joy and peace and all of those things, our faith, the the fullness of that faith. Where Where do we begin? Well, we begin where Ephesus was told to begin. We remember from where we've fallen. We remember. And then, after remembering, we repent. And we need to repent. You know, we hear the word repent and we all bristle in our, in our fleshly condition. We bristle. And, and we think, ah, he's starting on that again, repentance. Yeah. Repentance is so sweet. Yeah. Repentance is so blessed. It's like getting right with your wife again is so sweet, you know. It is, it is good to repent. It is wonderful to repent. It is, it is, a, it is a precious thing to repent of your sins. And repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. <clears throat> and it's confessing our sins to God. And it's, it's being tired of our sins and, and wanting to go forward. This is part of waking up. <clears throat> in this day of declension, we're, we're, like, we're like Lot vexing our righteous soul in this wicked city that we live in, in this wicked world that we live in. And because the love of many um, is waxing cold, because iniquity is abounding, the love of many is waxing cold. So we need repentance. Repentance. Is there something that we need to repent of in our lives? I have found that I am... Easily captured by the news. I really am. It's it's one of my shortcomings, and the Lord has been helping me lately. And I've put my phone aside. I don't even have it with me today. It's not in my pocket. (laughs) Not proud. I'm thankful. Because I'll tell you what, (laughs) most of the time I haven't done very well. And today I've even had some struggle with wanting to know more and more about this election result thing. But let me just say this, that when it's like in the book of Hebrews, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset you. And I'm putting this weight aside. I'm not totally ignoring the news. I need to know something that's going on. But I'm getting the filth out of my mind. I'm getting the dirt away from me. And I want to walk with Christ. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Christ and his work. We can't hold on to our weights and besetting sins and receive handfuls of blessings. Our hands must be empty. And that's repentance. Repentance is when you empty your hands. Faith is when you fill your hands with Christ. <clears throat> Repentance is, is putting off the darkness, and faith is entering into the light. And you can't mix darkness and light. You can't have faith without repentance. Amen. Repentance is facing north, <clears throat> And turning around and facing south, and it's like there's repentance in the turning away, and there's faith in the turning too. And you can't do one without the other. They go together. Those who deny the necessity of repentance are saying you can serve two masters, but it's not so. You cannot serve two masters. They're saying you can be carnal and spiritual at the same time. Not so. They're saying you can remain in darkness and be in light at the same time. Not so. So we need to sit under our palm tree with Deborah in earnest prayer. 
We need to sit under, sit under our palm tree with Deborah and put on our reading glasses and read God's holy word. <clears throat> we need to seek a deeper and a richer walk with Christ in this day. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God says, be ye continually being filled with the Spirit. We need continuous revival. We need rejoicing in the Lord always. <clears throat> we need to be loving one another more and more. And I love Paul's more and more. That is how Paul puts it. More abundantly, more and more. We need to be strengthened with all might by the Spirit in the inner man. As we heard on the Lord's Day, Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith, knowing the love of Christ in its depths and heights, in its lengths and breadths, being filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. I exhort you to put your name in the place where Deborah put her name. Awake, awake, Christian. Awake, awake. Awake, awake, Frank. Awake, awake, utter a song. Awake, awake, Christian. Awake, awake. Exhort yourself right now in your pew. Exhort yourself to be awake. Amen? Say it zealously and keep saying it until it sinks in. Amen. Well, God bless you. Let us stand together for our benediction. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.